0: Good morning. Breakfast today is sponsored in the loving memory of Millie and Nathan Marcus, Alehem Ashalom, Natan Ben Rachel, Alev Ashalom, and Malka Bat Gerez, sponsored by the Marcus family, as well in loving memory and Lady Nishmat Bat Sheva Bat Sultana Dahan, sponsored by her son, Mayor Tujman. It was when Paro sent the people. He sent them out, and God did not guide them, the easiest route from Egypt to Israel would have been along the ocean, through Gaza, through where Gaza is now, all the way through Ashdor, Ashkelon, straight to Jerusalem. no problem. It's not a very far distance. It definitely shouldn't take 40 years, right? Even without Jewish people and directions. But the Pasuk says, God did not want to guide them to, to travel that way. Ki for it was close. Ki Amar elukim, because Hashem said, Khama, Maybe the people will see that there's a war because the people there were uh, warriors. They'll come out to fight because they know that the Jewish people are... Uh, Coming back to claim the land of Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov in Eretz Israel, they'll come out and they'll fight against them. And when the Jewish people will see milchama, they're going to say, "Whatever, what do we need this for?" They would be too afraid, and they'll return. They'll return to Egypt. So the question that's asked um, by the Sefer Be'er Yosef is: He asks an excellent question. It seems from the Pasuk that it's a connection between because Paro sent out the people, God did not want to lead them this way. What's, what's the follow on from the fact that Paro sent them out to this idea that they were that they were going to be afraid of war? So he says something which is very, very smart. And I think as well it carries within it a very powerful lesson. You know, God, when he took the Jews out of Egypt, he could have forced Paro's hand. He could have done many different things. In fact, we know that the uh, advisors of Paro, when they told him that it was was time to subjugate the Jews, when they decided that they wanted to start this whole process, right? Paro says, I know in my astrology that there's going to be a redeemer of the Jewish people who's going to come who's going to be born today, so how do I get rid of him? They said, you know what, if you want to mess with the God of the Jews, the way to do it is to stay away, stay away from all the things that he could punish you back for. He pays and he punishes midak kineged midah. So we already know that God made a promise in this world that he's not going to bring another mabul. He's not going to punish you with uh, drowning people in a in flood. Through the, after the story of Noach. So therefore, if you want to mess with the babies, you want to kill the Jewish babies, drown them in the river. Because God, after the Mabul has promised the world that he's not going to uh, destroy it with water. You're safe. However, what they didn't realize is that that's true about God flooding the whole world, but not true about flooding one specific place. So God could have brought and drowned, the, the you know, overrun the entirety of Egypt, with, uh, with an overflow of the Nilus and nothing that would not have broken his promise. So one option to punish the, the Egyptians with water would have bring to, been to bring the water to Egypt. The second option, and only flood one country, the second obj- uh, option is to bring the Egyptians to the water. There's no flood happening, but they're brought into the water. They could drown in the river uh, as it is. So if God has two choices in front of him, where he could bring the water to Egypt and just drown all the Egyptians there and let the Jewish people out that way, or to bring all of the Egyptians down to the river so that they would all go, which is easier? Which is more desired by Hashem? We know that there's a rule that says that if God ever has a choice between doing something which is an open miracle or doing it as a hidden miracle, God always chooses to do the minimum amount of miracles that are necessary. So therefore, if you bring the water to Egypt, that's a miracle. Bra- dr- Egyptians drowning within the water itself is not a miracle. Why did God choose one over the other? And the Be'er Yosef explains that from the beginning, when Hakadosh Baruch Hu brought the Jewish people to Egypt and Paro began this process, Hashem says to Moshe, At the end of this story, Paro is going to chase you out. He's, they're going to be so sick of having you here from the Makot that I'm going to bring that they're going to chase you out, they're going to beg you to leave, they're going to give you presents to go, they're going to be so happy, it's going to come out of his own free will. So therefore, says the Pasuk, since the Jewish people, when Paro had to send the nation out of his own free will, out of his own, so to speak, quote-unquote, the goodness of his heart after all of these makot, right? So therefore, that was why the Jewish people had to go this route, towards the ocean in order to to draw the Egyptians after them. But since that was the case, continues the pasuk, since that was the case, since Parol was the one that sent them out. Since it was in a way of uh, agreement as opposed to in a way of being forced. So therefore, when the Jewish people saw war, what did they think? The reason why we got out of Egypt is because they agreed to send us out. Not because they had to, not because they were forced to. So what's going to happen in this new war when the people's will is not going to be such? I I found in this an unbelievable lesson, Rabbi it spoke so loudly to me. You know, there's lots of experiences in people's lives where they don't feel like they have the courage to be able to succeed. They don't feel like they're strong enough or they have the emuna, or they have the fortitude or they have the patience or they have the courage to be able to achieve something. Even if that person has survived unbelievably powerful uh, forces in the past. I remember speaking to people, who survived the war they went through everything with the nazis and you think these people you know if that's what they went through they you know they're not afraid of anything and you know what this guy said to me he said rabbi for the longest time in israel i wore long sleeve shirts why he says so no one should be able to see my number why he says cuz i got to israel and the people who didn't go through it They kept asking, how come you didn't stand up against them? Why did you fight against them? How come you just did it? And they were blaming us almost. They were blaming us as if it was our fault that this happened. He says, and I couldn't bear it. And I'm thinking to myself, this is a guy who went through everything in the world, and he can't bear a couple of comments. He needs to wear in the heat of the summer, sleeves down to the bottom in Israel, because he can't deal with someone making a comment to him. And the answer is, Rabbi even if a person builds up a tremendous amount of strength in one area, it doesn't mean that in another area he's not literally uh, uh, holding in the basement, in the ground floor. So you find this as well sometimes. People say, you know, I don't understand. How did this guy, he's a religious guy? He did this thing wrong. I see him learning every day in the Beit Midrash. He's such a a chilul Hashem. I always tell the person, maybe it is a chilul Hashem, but I don't know if it's your job to judge this guy doing one thing, learning Torah, doing all these things you're supposed to be doing, that's fighting and conquering one Yetzirah. But the guy might have another Yetzirah when it comes to, you know, being honest, or it comes to women, or it comes to something else. People are strong in different ways. So the Pasuk says, When Paro sent the people, did the Jews need to fight to get out? They didn't. So even though they saw unbelievable miracles, why are they worried about a war? unbelievable miracles god took them out of egypt god could do anything the truth is that is true but what they saw was god fighting something for them where there was no war it was a matter of kind of hashem hitting the egyptians until the egyptians told them father please leave we don't want you to be slaves no more get out of our houses get out of our town get out of our country There was never a moment where they had to pick up a a sword, look an Egyptian in the eye, and have the courage to take a knife and stab their own master in the heart, someone who gave them commands. (laughs) One of the funny things uh, in in psychology is when you come across something that we, we don't understand it. It's hard for us to even comprehend it. There was a famous, maybe the most famous experiment of all time done by someone called Stanley Milgram. The Milgram experiment was uh, a situation where they had people dress up in white coats, like lab coats, and they'd bring somebody in, and it was an experiment that was staged. They had someone sitting in a chair through a glass window, and they told the guy, put on this machine, and you could see on the machine it said 50 volts. You're shocking the guy with 50 volts of electricity. Then the knob says 100, 150. And then the last one is like fatal, like, you know? Anyway, the guy comes and he says to, pe- to the person, he says, turn on the machine, give the guy the shock. The guy says, what do you mean give the guy? Why am I giving the guy the shock? The guy says, no, no, it's a medical, uh, you know, it's a medical procedure that we're going through. We're doing this, uh, you know, this thing we need to know, experiment this, that, and the other. And he says, "Tell, turn the thing, I'm a doctor. anyway, Almost everybody in the experiment, with very few exceptions, immediately they submitted to that authority, turned on the machine to shock the guy. Who's sitting in the chair? An actor. As soon as he pushes the button, the guy's is shaking around like he's being zapped. Now the doctor says, Oh, okay, excellent, turn it up. And the people would turn it up. Some of the people in the experiment, regular people, wound up dialing the dial all the way to the part where it said fatal. They were willing to give what they thought were fatal electric shocks because a man in a white coat told them to do so. We don't understand the power of authority that authority has on people, where people will just do something that an authority said. And Rabotai, this is true in many, many different scenarios. We don't have to go into the exact scenarios of what it is, but where people will listen to an authority figure, a father figure, even to do terrible things. Watch, go and Google this after the shiur, you'll see it for yourself. Rabbotai, They sent out the Jews. That means that these authority figures, the people who were their masters, told them to go, so they left. But if Milchama would come back, where would they run? They'd run back to those authority figures rather than stand up for themselves. That was the byproduct of the Nisim that God did for the Jews. It was that the Jews had never seen that the Jews stood up for the Jews. Of course, with God's help, but the first time they have that as a nation actually happens after Kriyat Yamsuf where they have this war with Amalek. And by the way, in that war, we find the Jewish people now need to learn this new balance. And I want you to see how this works. You have three modalities. You have Egypt, where there's, on one side, you have a a God taking care of your enemies, taking care of your problems. Then you have Amalek, where these people who never fought a war before all had to get, you know, swords and knives and spears and go out and fight themselves. So you have on one side where God is doing everything, you have on the other side where the people are thinking that they're doing everything. And in between those two experiences is Moshe Rabbeinu, with his hands raised up to the heavens. And every time he picks up his hands and the Jewish people recognize that even though they're doing the motions, it's God fighting for them, they win the war. And when every time Moshe Rabbeinu, his hands get too heavy, they come, they come down, the people are not raising their eyes to the heavens and they think they're doing it themselves, the tide turns and the Amalekim fight back. But that modality is the mode that we live in today. The mode where a person has to do hishtadlut, they need to go to work, they need to date people, they need to try and get alone, they need to try and work out their problems, whether it's shalom bayr or chinuch, they do everything that they can as human beings, but at the same time they recognize that without akadosh Baruch Hu's help, they've, they, they're going nowhere. So therefore, the Pasuk says, nacham elokim derech eretz ki It was close. God knew that when the Jewish people would get to the land of Israel in a longer circuitous route, that by the time they got there, they'd have learned this message. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, How could I take them and put them in this situation in such a short distance? They need a little bit of time to be able to have this idea of an authority figure ebb away from their consciousness where they can understand that there's something that they can do and therefore through that process with the help of Hashem succeed at whatever comes their way.